Hi, friend. Welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is a show that's meant to help you remember who you truly are. I'm Ashley Stahl, a career expert, the author of the new book, U-Turn, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, and Design Your Dream Career. It's now available everywhere books are sold. And it's my honor to bring you guest conversations or even a solo episode with me every single week, all designed to help you elevate your confidence in work, in love, and in life. This is a place for you to reconnect to who you truly are, what you truly want, and to really heal from anything that is telling you that you are otherwise. Wherever you are, I am so grateful to be here in your ears. And I also want to give a shout out with so much thanks to our sponsor, Organifi. You can find them over at Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And when you use the U-Turn checkout code, you get 20% off your order. They make the most magical elixirs, whether it's powders for you to get your greens on every day, really tasty, clean protein powders to add into your diet. I have them every single morning. Probiotic powders to help you really heal and strengthen your immune system. So much more. Now let's get in to this week's conversation. When something goes wrong, I think a lot of times we start looking outside of ourselves for anyone or anything to fix that thing. We need this or that, or we start consuming more alcohol, or we stop, start shopping more, or we, t- we turn to food to help us fill those empty, dark places because we think that there's an answer out there that's going to fix us. But what I have learned is that you're the rainbow that you've been looking for, that everything that you need is inside of you. And so what if the pain that we feel isn't, wasn't ever meant to destroy us? What if it's always been an invitation for us to rise higher, to shine brighter than we have before? And so if I can start reframing my thoughts that way, and ask myself questions that then lead to different answers, I'm on a different path. Hi friends, I am here with someone really special. It's a fellow Ashley. Ashley, she's Ashley Lemieux or Ashley Lemieux if you speak French. She's an entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, and she is coming out with a new book in May 2021 called The I Am Here Book. It's all about going from fear to freedom. And she's also the host of the I Am podcast, which I was just on and I'm so excited about just being able to be here with her. She has an incredible process that she outlines in her book about clarity mapping, which we all talk about clarity so much here. And she she has a story that is really moving. And I'm going to share a clip from her book at the end of this episode, the introduction of her book. So really excited for you to experience that. Ash, thanks so much for being here with me. Oh my gosh, Ashley, (laughs) thanks for having me. I feel like I've just found my kindred person this past hours. We've been, well, we've been chatting on my podcast and now this, I'm like, 
it's a little bit freaky how similar I know you're like the blonde. I'm like the darker haired Ashley and the blonde <laughs> Ashley and we're just like living in a parallel universe doing the same work it's really wild and I love I it I love it so much it's a wonderful <laughs> thing you know what I think the world right now is really hurting around their purpose and there we, we have a shortage of people who can help and so I just honor that you're doing what you're doing and putting the content out that you're putting out. Um, I know that this is your second book that you've written. So what, what was the inspiration or what was it about your story that kind of brought you to the book that you have coming out now, the I Am Here book? So my story goes back a few years and I'll share it briefly, but my husband and I, became parents overnight. Uh, we became permanent legal guardians and we raised our kids for four years and we were very much a family in every sense of the word. And we operated as a family and, and those, those kids brought me to life like I had never experienced before. And during the final steps of the adoption process, we experienced a very unexpected contested adoption. And that sent us into a two-year court battle that literally felt like I was waking up every day just in hell. If, if hell was a place on earth, it was my life during those two years. And then very suddenly, I guess it wasn't so sudden because we were in court for two years, but how it happened was very suddenly we lost the kids overnight and um, they were returned back to a biological family member and we haven't seen them since. And that was four years ago. And that rocked our world on a level that I, I felt like someone had dug a hole, threw me inside of it, and then covered me up. I, I truly felt buried by the amount of pain that I was living in. Um, I was not the same person that I had been before that experience. And and living life felt really scary. It felt really new. I, I, I say, I, I believe that grief, that loss, that trauma, it gives us this new lens in which we look at life because I think a lot of times people want, people believe that healing is going back to how things once were, but you never can because you've, you're now changed too much and you're not supposed to because you've changed too much. And so you look at life and you experience it differently. Um, so my husband and I, we moved, we sold everything in our home and we sold, we moved across the country. We live in Phoenix now because we moved back, but we moved across the country to Nashville to, to just figure out what does rebuilding our life look like? What does moving forward look like? What does love within our relationship look like without the stress of everything else? Can we stay together? Can, can what do we want to do? Because we need to figure it out. <clears throat> so we moved. A lot of things happened in that time. And then we decided uh, last year, a year and a half ago to move back to Phoenix and that it was time to continue to grow our family. We got pregnant quickly um, and we were very excited. And then I was at 16 weeks, I went septic very within two hours. I went from going on a walk with my mom, planning the baby's nursery in our new house that we had just moved into three days before. 
and um, to going septic. And it was the same week. It was almost a year ago because it was the same week that COVID started shutting everything down. And so I was afraid to go to the hospital because COVID was so new and unknown that we didn't know what that would look like. And, and I didn't know what was wrong, like at that point, but then the pain increased to the point where an ambulance had to come pick me up. I, I couldn't even walk. I could hardly move my body. I was just screaming in pain. And I'll never forget the moment that they told me that my husband could not come with me, that I would have to go by myself because they had shut down visitors in the hospitals that day. Um, and so it was me in the hospital for the next seven days, 16 weeks pregnant, and then learning that I had sepsis. I was so sick. I, I, we didn't know if I was going to make it. And there was this moment that the rapid response team had to be called in um, to put oxygen on me, to check my heart. I, my whole body, I kept asking if I was going to die. And I kept asking if I was having a stroke because I couldn't... I couldn't feel myself. Like my whole body was numb. And in that moment, I knew that both myself and my baby, that it, there was no way that both of us could survive what was happening. So I requested another ultrasound, even though the day before they had checked him and, and he was fine. And um, the ultrasound that night sh showed no heartbeat. And then I delivered him alone the, the next morning by myself. He came very fast. And then Finally, my husband was able to come be with me in the hospital. And that was, that was just a year ago. And it was this moment of, we finally had felt like we had gotten all of our courage back to step into life again, to move forward again, to keep rebuilding, to trust, to trust God, to trust universe, to trust, just to trust in something again and to have it be another loss of another child in that way that was so isolating and traumatic it buried us again and so then the question became is how do how do we stand back up how do we do this and that's why I'm so excited about my new book which is called I am here because I think that a lot of us in our lives, we have this picture of what we envision our life to look like. We grow up being told we're going to do this. We're going to go to college. We're going to get married. Then we're going to have kids. And then we're going to retire. And it's just this path that's kind of laid out. And so we envision what that looks like. And then when we get to these moments in our lives, and not only is that not the reality, but it's so drastically different from anything that we were ever prepared to handle there's a lot of confusion and a lot of reconciliation that comes with who am I what am I doing what do I want to do and am I strong enough to get through this mm -hmm. and um so that's why I do the work that I do now which is to help women reclaim the power in their lives so that they can rebuild Wow. I feel like I'm just so tempted to make this entire episode about me and how much I relate to you in such a different way. And I just want to acknowledge you for sharing because for some reason, for me doing podcasting and writing books, I constantly hear people being vulnerable, but there's something so much more vulnerable to me as I'm listening to you because it feels fresh. Like you're 12 months out and there's such a sensitivity to that. Like, I'm just so moved listening to you. And, 
And I'm wondering when you were writing the book, how were you able, did you have moments where like words wouldn't come out because you just felt like, I don't know how to rebuild my life right now. So what's so wild is that my book was due a month before we lost our baby. His name is Jace. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the book was turned in. And when I turned in the book, I remember telling my husband, I was like, my book's not finished. I don't know why, but there's like a huge, massive part of this book that I just know is not in there yet. I don't know what that means. I don't know if there's a third book coming soon after. Like, I don't know. And so then when everything happened a month later, um, I knew that my book wasn't later on. I just knew my book wasn't complete. How I feel about writing, how I feel about what my purpose is, is that there's a, there's a lot of really great tools out there from people who can help guide us because they've been through it. And now we can see where they are and, and they can help us get there. What I believe my purpose is, is, is to create what I wish I would have had during our first loss and then during this loss of Jace of, well, what, where are the people who are going through it right now who are talking about how freaking heavy and hard it is? And even though they don't know what the future looks like, there's still hope that I can find. There's still a journey for me to be on. There's still, there's, there's still a joy that can be found in my life that's the stuff that I want to write because I know that there's so many people who are sitting right in the middle of their biggest heartbreak who feel so alone. And so it's really hard to write in that place for me, but also it's the thing that heals me. It's the thing that allows my feelings to come outside and exist and then serve others. And so writing for me has always been the most healing thing that I can do. Um, so writing these books honestly saved my life. That's exactly how I feel. It's like, they're so heavy in your body, like to have these words and to like feel these feelings and to be able to put them on a page and serve other people and make sense of them is so powerful. <laughs> I know that you talk about reframing your thoughts, reimagining your future, reclaiming your power, and you have your process of clarity mapping. And one of the reasons that I'm so moved as I'm listening to you is because for a lot of the years that I worked in personal development and self-help, I've been able to reframe my thoughts about something. I've been able to sometimes quicker than others, see something through a different lens and release it and free myself up from it. But recently I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and oh, wow. I'm just moving through the motions and there's new information coming up all the time. So I was able to kind of, it's kind of been in waves on my side. Like the first thing was just the diagnosis and not really knowing what to do with it and realizing it's going to cost tens of thousands of dollars with no insurance to cover it, to, to treat it. Insurance doesn't really recognize Lyme. And then, and then, so that was kind of the original moment for me. And then the second moment was, okay, now I need to grieve the things I'm losing. Like I can't drink alcohol anymore, which I'm not a big drinker, but it was like a freedom with life. Like, oh, if I want to have the bite of cake or sugar, I can. There's some limitations to how I can live. And then the third piece is new information. And the most recent new information I got was that 
most people don't ever test negative after they test positive. It's lifelong, um, whether you have symptoms or not, but that you can pass it as a mother to your baby. And so it's interesting because I think I'm doing pretty well. Like, obviously I have moments with it. I'm really trying not to identify with it. And I know a lot of people, they have something going on and they don't want to identify with that thing. Like so powerful for your book to be called, I am here because it's like, I don't want to say I am Lyme. I am this, I'm that, I am just here and I am me and I am separate from all of my circumstances. And so one thing I've been struggling with is reframing it because in the moments at night when I'm going to bed and things feel heavy, I'm able to kind of look at, that legal issue that I had to deal with at work that day and say, well, I'm just going to pay that bill and fix that thing. Or I never did anything wrong. And I know that or whatever. I'm able to look at that, that person that maybe said something rude and be like, you know, I get to choose who's in my life and I can reframe it. But there's something about, there's something about illness or in your case, losing your kids loss that it's like, there's so many nights where those words of like, everything happens for a reason, or, you know, people say that and it just doesn't hit. And so I hate that phrase. So yeah, I hate that phrase so much. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) and if anyone has ever told that to you and it doesn't feel right, it's because just kind of not. Yeah. 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 Sometimes things just happen. And so Mm -hmm. I would love to just get some insight from you on and I know everybody has to grab your, I mean, your book is going to just be such a game changer for so many people listening. And I can't wait for them to hear the intro. You guys, it's so good. Um, but where do people start? And I know that they can go deeper and read, but let's say somebody's listening right now and they just went through a breakup and they feel like they are just swimming in pieces of their heart. Yeah. Um, or they, somebody passed away. I know one in three Americans are impacted by a loss of COVID. What what would be your first piece of advice? First of all, to you and to everyone listening is, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you found yourself here. And I know that, that it feels scary and sad and, and there's grief in that. And, um, and I'm just sorry. And where I always start, like you talked about is reframing my thoughts. And it's, it's interesting, again, where I feel like our lives are parallel running right now is um, sepsis has totally changed my life. It's changed my body. It's changed the foods I can eat. Um, there are certain things now like gluten, sugar, dairy, if I eat them, I am so sick. It's not okay. So I'm having to relearn how to live life just like you are. And even though whether you're going through a breakup or an illness or a loss, even though we all have different experiences, the feelings that we share as we go through them, that's, those are the same. That's the human condition that connects us. And so that's why we can have these types of conversations. And even though the details are different, we can relate and connect because, because we're feeling the same feelings. So for me, reframing my thoughts, thoughts is has been one of the most impactful things that I can do and how I reframe my thoughts is I ask myself questions Mm -hmm. so sometimes I get really scared sometimes I get really scared that I'm not going to see my kids again sometimes I get really scared Um, right now we as a result of sepsis and my miscarriage um, and everything that entailed 
we are now seeking fertility treatments for the first time, which we didn't need, which we didn't need when we got pregnant uh, with Jace. And so one of my fears now is, well, what if I can't get pregnant again? What if my body's not capable of anymore? What if, right? So all these fears come. So a question that I ask myself is, well, what if it's not fear? What if it's love? When I ask myself the questions, I try to identify the feeling that I'm feeling that might feel negative. And then I try to go deeper and, and try to come up with the positive emotion that maybe is being masked. So for me, I know that I might feel afraid, but really it's love that's driving that. It's love because I love my kids so much and, and I miss them, but I love them. Um, I love my baby who we lost so much. And even though I don't know my future children yet, like I love them too. And so because of that love, there's this fear that comes along. Well, what if I miss out? And what if it's this? And I can focus on the fear of it all day long until I can't get out of bed. Or I can ask myself the question, but what if it's love? Reframing my thoughts that way allows me to do things in my life, get out of bed differently, interact differently, set a trajectory trajectory for my life that's different than if I let fear run the show. And this isn't to say that oh, you can't feel fear. No, everybody feels fear. But it's what do we do with it? What is it inviting us to look deeper at? What is it um, asking us to set aside and uncover more of? Something that that happens, I think, a lot is that when something goes wrong, whether it's an action that we did that was a mistake or it's an illness that we have no control over or it's a loss we have no control over or it's a pandemic that we have no control over, right? When something goes wrong, I think a lot of times we start looking outside of ourselves for anyone or anything to fix that thing. We need this or that, or we start consuming more alcohol, or we stop, start shopping more, or we turn to food to help us fill those empty, dark places, because we think that there's an answer out there that's going to fix us. But what I've learned is that you're the rainbow that you've been looking for, that everything that you need is inside of you. And so what if the pain that we feel isn't, wasn't ever meant to destroy us? What if it's always been an invitation for us to rise higher, to shine brighter than we have before? And so if I can start reframing my thoughts that way and ask myself questions that then lead to different answers, I'm on a different path. I love and the that. path leads to joy and hope and forward movement and healing instead of pain, loss, grief, trauma. I so that's where that. I start. Yeah. And I, when I journal every morning, I just try to connect to the truth. And so I'll, I'll write in my journal, like, what do you need me to know? And I know that that's a pretty big journaling prompt. A lot of people will use. And, and sometimes I just find my hand writing wisdom out um, but one thing that I want to ask you about, I feel like a lot of people in the self-help world is they'll say like, you know, and I've said this before, like if you don't tune into your life, it's going to, it's going to hit you, you know, if you don't pay attention. And I'm curious, like, 
you know, in my case, like I had a sister who passed away. I had a wedding I called off. I have Lyme. I had millions of dollars my business lost and paid off debt. And the week that I paid off debt, some random guy, one of those ambulance chaser types hit me with a lawsuit that I didn't do anything wrong and I just have to pay to make him go away. My point being, what would be your response to that message of like, when a lot is happening, life is trying to get you a message? Like, do you believe that's always true? Because sometimes it just feels like, no, life is just kind of weird sometimes. And I just get to grow from it. I think that sometimes life just is what it is. And I think that it can be a very dangerous thing um, for people who are going through trauma and loss and grief to hear, well, well, what's the message for you? Or like we were just talking about everything happens for a reason or what do you need to listen to? Um, I don't think that that's the best question to ask or statement to say. I think that down the road as healing comes, there are, yes, there are lessons that of course we can learn, but, but it's up to us to choose to learn those. It's, it's up to us to choose what happens next. It's up to us. It's just up to us. You know, just yesterday, my husband posted a, a Instagram post about how deeply he wants to be a father again and, and how he hopes that the fertility treatment this month works. Um, and there were a couple responses that I was like, oh, and one of which was <laughs> try manifesting. It works. Yeah. And I looked at that and, and I said, yeah, like manifesting is great. Manifesting does work. It can work, right? There are also things in our lives that are just a part of our lives because life is hard. Life's hard. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think sometimes that we, we come and we think that there must be something wrong with us if life is hard. But I think, what if that means that everything's actually going right? Like, what if that is part of our experience here so that we can learn and grow and become something different than we otherwise would have been so that we can have eyes that are more open to experiencing the world and interacting with those around us because we now know how to see other people differently. Um, so yeah, I have a really hard time with things like that because, because I think that it's okay if life is hard, that it obviously sucks, but it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with our lives. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I inevitably always notice, and I'm sure you've had these moments where something is just really graceful and it's like, it feels like God or something, whatever anybody believes in, where it's like, I don't know, in these moments, I've been like, why can't I get a break? You know, like I feel that feeling of like, but my mom, you know, when I talk to her, she's like, you're full of breaks. Like, look at this break, look at that break. And, um, I don't know. Like, I love what you're saying. Sometimes life is really hard. Sometimes it's amazing and you get a break. But one thing I've learned for sure is that life is kind of an achievement. Like, even if you don't pursue anything in your career, just like going to school, getting a job, showing up, paying your bills, um, putting food on the table, having a family or not, it's all the simple things are such an achievement, just the basic function of living. And I know a lot of people can feel a sense of heartbreak, but 
if there's anything I've learned, it's like, sometimes your heart's not broken. It's just open. And I love that you talk about reimagining your future. So I'm just curious, like, what are some thoughts you have on that for people who are going to be reading your book and going deeper on this, um, that they can kind of have some thought starters to get started on seeing what's possible differently. So when I felt just deeply buried and stuck in my life, um, after we lost the first two kids, I started again, I'm, I'm really big at asking myself questions because I feel like if we ask ourselves the right questions and then we take a time, the time to listen, we can create space for answer, the answers that we're seeking to come instead of answers from what everyone else is telling us to do. They come from where they're supposed to come from. Um, so with reimagining your future, I use something that I created during that time called clarity mapping. And to start the clarity map, you ask yourselves five questions. And every single day I ask myself these five questions and they are, what is my intention? So every single day I can come up with an intention so that I just feel like I'm contributing towards something that day. Like I'm being intentional with my time because something that happens when you're hit with grief and loss is that everything feels really heavy and you don't know really where to spend your energy for a while because it, it's just different. Um, so sometimes I'll be like, okay, today I have two podcast interviews and my intention today is to show up as a big ball of love to those podcast interviews so that everyone listening can feel that love too. Like I will get very specific with what my intention is that day. And then when I am doing it, I feel like I've accomplished something, which is really important when you feel stuck. Because once you can start feeling yourself accomplishing these things that you're setting out to do, you're like, okay, wait, like, I know it's hard right now, but I'm still walking forward. I'm, I didn't get that dream job or I didn't, this didn't happen, but I'm still moving and it can be really impactful. Uh, the second question is why am I worthy? Why am I worthy to do this work today? Why am I worthy to wake up today? Why am I worthy for good things to happen to me today? Why am I worthy to feel joy today? Those are really important questions to ask because another um, byproduct of grief and loss that comes is this feeling that, well, maybe you shouldn't be happy because how could you be happy when this thing happened? How can you feel joy when you had this loss and you start feeling guilty, but asking ourselves why we're worthy of that thing. And um, it's really kind of amazing what answers will come. <clears throat> uh, the, the third question I asked myself is who can I serve? Who can I serve today? Who needs me? Uh, and being able to focus outside of ourselves just allows this window of opportunity to open up that we wouldn't otherwise have really noticed. The fourth question, is what can I set down? What can I set down today? What don't I need to carry anymore? Because I feel really, really heavy. Is it shame of this thing, guilt on this thing, this relationship, this job? Like what is it I can set down today? And then the last question is who is the truest version of myself? Um, I, I, I like this question, because I, I think a lot of times we're asked, well, who's, who's the best version of yourself? Who's the best? And I think that when we think of the best version of ourselves, a lot of times um, it's really influenced by what we think other people want 
the best version of ourselves to look like. And when we ask ourselves who the truest version of ourselves is, then we're able to kind of go in deeper and, and show up how we feel called to show up um, in the truest way possible. So with clarity mapping, if I'm doing it as a whole, either I'll do it every day or once a quarter, I will sit down, I will answer these questions on a bigger scale of what do I want for this first quarter of the year? And after I have these answers, I then go into this mapping process that's in my book of what are, where are, what are the five things in my life that I want to be focusing on? How can I bring them to life? And how does it all go back to serving that one intention that I'm setting for my quarter? Um, and doing that over and over again in my life has allowed me to bring things to life that I never knew I would have the energy or capacity um, to do. And it's really changed things for me. Hey, U-Turn friends, I've got an exciting interruption about a promotion that Organifi is doing this week. They have their Harmony product, which is a chocolate-flavored powder with 12 superfood ingredients with delicious cacao and blends that not only helps PMS symptoms like bloating, fatigue, and mood swings, but also promotes better balanced hormones every single day for improved women's health. I have learned so much ever since being diagnosed with Lyme disease about hormones more than I can even share and Harmony has become a staple for me. Any orders that include Harmony right now at Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Any of the orders that you do that include Harmony will get free shipping. Plus, you can use the U-Turn code for checkout at 20% off as well. So it's free shipping plus the 20% off from April 30th to May 4th. I'm so excited for you to experience the magic of Harmony and just to let me know what happens for you when you heat up your favorite nut milk, put that Harmony elixir, get that frother and get rid of those cramps, get your hormones going. Thanks again for listening to The Interruption and back to this week's episode. I love what you're sharing and I I was thinking a lot about integrity because it's almost like there's a lot of reflection in your questions of like, why am I worthy? And I feel like having integrity and, and being a good person, like it allows you to answer these questions with such like clean energy, you know? And I, um, I don't know, I've been through some things or seen th- some things as an entrepreneur in the business world where one of the things I'm most proud of is people on my team telling me like, you have so much integrity with what you do and being able to go to bed with myself at night, feeling like I am worthy. I'm a good person according to whatever I think is good. You know, I I go to bed at night with myself and in the darkness, I sit there and I like me. And I know that's actually a really tough achievement for some people is to like themselves even for me, like even mentioning like a lawsuit, it's like somebody reaching out to me over something I didn't do and the amount of money I would have to spend to show them I didn't do it. You know, it was something stupid too. It was something silly in business, not even that significant. But for me to go to bed at night and feel like I didn't do anything wrong and I'm a loving person and to see how other people can show up in such pain and such negativity towards others 
I wonder how this person or how people who are in that vibration could answer these questions because it's tough to answer questions that are so loving and so intentional when you're not loving yourself, you're not being kind to yourself, you don't like yourself. So what are some things you do or ways that you be or mindsets that you have that keep you in that kind of integrity with yourself so that you like yourself? And when you write these questions down, you're coming from such a pure, positive space. You know, I love that you just brought this up because in the introduction to I am here, I literally say this book is not going to be for everyone, not yet anyway, because the work that I'm going to ask you to do requires hard, deep soul work that not that not everyone is looking for because this is an invitation to go into your pain, to go into your soul, to go in deeper instead of trying to run away from it. I feel like a lot of times people who have a hard time living with integrity, um, they have a hard time living with themselves because, because they're trying to run away from pain, guilt, grief, whatever those feelings are that can either propel us forward, they can also bury us. And I think a lot of times people who are allowing pain to bury them are also the people who are really hard to get along with, who are really hard, who have a really hard time showing up with integrity. So for me, something that has really changed how I live my life um, is, is how I invite pain to teach me. A lot of us run away from pain. We're afraid of feeling it. But the reality is, is that it's not going anywhere. We can't outrun our pain. We can't, we cannot, we can try. We can try to keep our schedules as full as possible. We can try to be mad at as many people as possible. We can try to travel as much as possible. We can, we can try to outrun pain, but at the end of the day, we can never go faster from it. What I've learned is that if I can slow down and invite pain in to teach me, then I don't have to be afraid of it anymore. Mm -hmm. And when I'm not afraid of it anymore, it loses its power over me. Mm -hmm. And when it loses its power over me, then I'm able to sit with myself in the most vulnerable, open way possible and um, allow myself to dig deep to, to, answer these questions. And so that's what I, that's one of the things that I believe that it takes. It it takes you willing to be able to learn from things that have really hurt you instead of masking them in other ways. Yeah. I have a friend whose husband, he's always really busy and COVID has been really challenging for him because it's forcing him to sit in his house and sit with himself. And I know that when you have a lot of pain and there's quiet around you and there's nowhere to go and you can't make yourself busy and hide from yourself, it can be really painful. And one thing I read about in my book is indulgence versus resistance. Mm -hmm. Like I find that some people just indulge in the pain to the point where they are the pain. And it's almost like, it's that weird feeling when you're crying and you look in the mirror and it kind of makes you cry harder, you know, like, like, it's like, you're just indulging. But then there's also the resistance where it's like, you're not in the pain at all. And I know that there's a sweet spot of feeling. And I remember when my sister died a few years back, I used to text my best friend, Nicole, and I've, I'm like you, you know, I guess it's an Ashley thing yet again, but I'm not afraid of pain. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of loss. Like, obviously I don't want it, but 
I just, I'm more afraid of living life, afraid of it all and feeling exhausted, yeah. and tired all the time. That just feels miserable. So it's interesting because I would text her on days where I felt my sister and her death so much more. It just grief moves. It's a moving target. Yes. And you tend to feel it when things are great, you know, because there's so many celebratory moments like my book coming out where I'm like, man, I would love my sister. You want her there. Yes. So it's really a sneaky little thing that comes and you think you're done with it. And it's, it's a process. It's not an event. It's not like you wake up one day and it's gone. And so with my best friend, Nicole, who was so there for me, you know, she would call me on some days and I just couldn't pick up the phone and I would text her and say, a wave is coming today. I'll call you when the wave washes over. And it usually wasn't multiple days. It was just that day. And, and I found that that, in, I don't want to say indulging, but allowing that that's where I was that day, allowing myself permission to not just be this hyper-functioning person that needs to make it to every appointment. Like I know for even our podcast, you had to reschedule and like, I could feel like your energy of, of someone who shows up for her stuff. And I was like, wow, this is so great that she's taking care of herself and her life. And I've needed that permission. And it's only in the past year that I've given myself to reschedule things when I'm not feeling well. And it's, I feel like that's why even on this podcast, I try to just be transparent because I just think there's nothing inspiring about me acting like I've got it all figured out. Right. Um, Right. Yeah. And I think too, with grief, you know, it's like, why, when, when something's hard, why do we try to make it harder? Like, why do we feel like we have to be carrying the weight of the world all the time and grief in a healthy way? It is a wave. It's a wave that comes in and out. But then when we don't address it or we're running from it, or we're just really bogged down by it, because we're not really taking the time to grieve, it becomes a, it, it just, the tide stays in Yeah. and then the water gets deeper. And then that's what this, this is actually what um, my psychologist described to me as depression. Grief often turns into depression because instead of being the healthy, you know, tied in, tied out where it comes in waves, but then it, it goes and then it comes again, and, but then it goes. Unhealthy grief turns into depression because the wave just comes in and it stays. And then we feel like we're drowning because it's not going out. And so I think that really giving ourselves permission to grieve, whatever that means. Sometimes, you know, for me, it's taking a walk. Sometimes it's taking a bath. Sometimes it's not answering my phone for the day. Sometimes it's going to visit where my baby is buried and just sitting there and taking my journal and just crying and writing. Like there's so many ways where grief can move, but the important thing is that it keeps moving so that it doesn't make us feel like we're drowning. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one way that I think about it and talk about it is like a beach ball, like holding a beach ball under the ocean. It's like, we live our lives exerting all this energy, just pushing things down and not wanting to. And I see this a lot in family units where it's like someone brings up like the elephant in the room. I was totally that kid in the house. Like I would always be like, what about that? And it was like, so not appropriate for everybody else, but totally where I was at. Yeah. And no, let's sweep this under the rug. Yeah. And it's funny, like energy is so real. Like I could feel these little dots, like little hell dots directed at me when I would like open up the box on something that people just didn't want to cover. And 
it's like, where does that energy goes? It, it just gets stuck and you just spend all this time packing it away and avoiding it. And it feels like people just don't give themselves permission to feel how they feel. Why do you think people are so against allowing what they feel to be what they feel? I think because we're conditioned that way. I think because even just for an example of looking at social media today, um, some of the meanest brutal comments that I've received have been over the loss of our children over having a miscarriage and sharing about it. It's other people when they're not giving themselves permission to grieve or, or to like really feel and sit in the truth of their lives, then they project that onto us. And then we think, oh my gosh, is it wrong for me to share how I'm feeling? It's okay with people if I share that I'm feeling good, but now I'm just being attacked or I'm told that something's wrong with me or that I want attention or whatever if, if I share the hard parts of my life. So you know what? I'm just, I'm not gonna do that. And so I think, I think part of it is that it's the conditioning. It's it's the it's we see people who would rather numb pain than to confront it. And so then that leaves us in this position of, well, is this okay for me? And then it's really hard and, and we don't know how. And so then we just wanted to avoid that. So I think there's a lot of reasons, but I think it's really, really brave to show up to your life um, and, and, and to, to, to truly be able to stand grounded in whatever circumstance life has given you and be able to throw your arms up in the air and say, I'm here. Like I am here right now in this moment, my past, my future, have brought me to this present moment and I am here to experience all of it, even if it's hard. Mm -hmm. I think that's the bravest thing that we can do. Yeah. It's, it's really incredible to tune into the level of courage. And, and I think a lot about like hunter gatherers and cavemen, cave women. it's like, we are conditioned to be in tribe and in yes. community and you know, it, it, it used to be a literal threat to your health and well-being to not be liked. You would be ostracized, you'd be a pariah, and you couldn't survive as well when you weren't a part of that unit in the winter when it's cold and you need a body to put yourself against or you need food and somebody's out there hunting and they don't include you. And so it's, it's just so fascinating to me how on a cellular level we are so wired to be liked because it translates into that survival. So I'm just... um. I'm so appreciative of everything you're sharing and if I can feel your rawness, which is really refreshing, honestly, because I think in a lot of ways, we're all kind of tender and we get on these podcasts and we talk like we lead with the five steps in the content and it's, it's, it's nice. It's a nice pattern interrupt for me to be with, be with you. Like I feel you here. You are here. Like I can feel you. <laughs> And I don't know if it's my place to say, but I'm, I'm very intuitive and I can really feel these kids coming to visit you at some point. I can really feel that. I'm very intuitive with weird stuff like this. Um, I saw it um, in our last conversation an hour ago. So I'm really excited for you to experience that in your life in a new way. And so excited for everybody to listen to some of your book and so thankful for you to be here. Is there anywhere that people can find you and keep learning from you outside of the I am here book and the I am podcast. 
Yes, thank you for having me today. This has just been so fun, but I love our community on Instagram and you can find me at Ashley K. Lemieux on Instagram. Um, it, you know, something that you just said about wanting community, what I have also found is that when we do share the parts of our lives that hurt, there's an amazing community that comes along with that too. And so that's why I love being able to show up on Instagram because there's all of us coming together to support each other through the good and the bad moments in our lives. And, and when you see someone else, you know that you're not going through it alone. So we have, we have good time over there. I love that. And, and I think, um, especially when you create powerful community for yourself, there's, um, so much healing available in being able to, I I feel like with my girlfriends, there's like a secure attachment where if they don't text me back, I don't have any stories in my head about it. I don't have any wounding with them because they've earned such a secure attachment. They've held my pain with such reverence and love that it's like, um, I'm able to heal in their presence. So I wish for everybody listening to create more community and to read your book and um, just thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. In the meantime, if you heard about any resource that you're interested in from one of our guests, you can find it listed in our show notes on the podcast tab of my website, ashleystahl.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com. On that page, you'll also see our free quiz to help you discover what career path you're actually meant for. And of course, we cannot thank you enough for written podcast reviews. I read every single one. I get so motivated from reading your words and it just means the world to me that you take a moment if you have an Apple device and you write an actual review for me. Thank you so much for doing that. Appreciate you being here and cannot wait to connect with you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast.
or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.